I think it's a great time for baseball in terms of this is why we do this. It really helps set your culture. If you're, you know, if you're paying attention to what's going on, you can find it out there. And it also can work against you. So I love what they're talking about in terms of like driveline and Eric Cressy, you'll see stuff like, hey, one of the best things you can do is get in the weight room. And, and if you're throwing 75 miles an hour, don't spend $300 on that showcase. Spend your time getting better before you go spend that money somewhere else. Hey, and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you for being here. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud, the official voice of data. Baseball Cloud's revolutionary software platform brings to life the numbers captured by TrackMan and FlightScope. This provides colleges, players, and facility owners around the world a turnkey product, allowing them to analyze their data using key metrics and custom visualizations on one intuitive user interface. The future of recruiting and player development is here. Go to BaseballCloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. In this episode, I welcome Steve Roof, head coach at Madison Central in Richmond, Kentucky. Coach Roof is in his 20th year as the head coach of the Indians baseball team, and during his career at Central, his teams have won 468 games, region titles in 2015 and 2018, and they were the region runner-up in 2014 and 2005. The Indians have also won 16 district championships. Roof was named the 11th Region Coach of the Year in 2010 and 2014, and while at Central, Coach Roof has been the head coach of the East and West All-Star teams six times and is a member of the Kentucky Baseball Coaches Hall of Fame. Before Madison Central, Coach Roof was an assistant at Eastern Kentucky University for four seasons under Hall of Fame head coach Jim Ward. On the show, we discuss the importance of making the team a family. At the end of the day, we can lift weights and do more drills, but when the culture rallies around family, there are incredible benefits for the team. Here is Steve Roof. Coach Roof, welcome to the show. What's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Now, I got your recommendation from a couple of mutual friends of ours, uh, Rick Weaver and Tom Held over at Defiance High School. And so I started digging in and, and noticed that you would be a perfect fit for the show. And so for our listeners who want to get to know you a little bit better, can you just give us a little bit of background of your baseball career or uh, really just why you got into coaching? Well, I grew up in North Carolina and uh, went to Lenore Ryan University. It's a Division two school in Hickory, North Carolina. I was fortunate enough there, a GA spot at Eastern Kentucky University, which is in Richmond, Kentucky, and just moved up here. Worked under a great coach, Jim Ward, who just passed away earlier this month, but 900 victories. He was at Stetson at Eastern Kentucky, and uh, I learned a lot. So I stayed in Kentucky, and here I am. I love it. Now, for our, you know, tell us a little bit about your program that you're running right now. And, you know, I know you've been there for a, a short period of time, almost 20 years, or maybe 20 <laughs> years to be exact. But tell us a little bit about the history of that. And, you know, what was it like before you got started? And, you know, you guys have got it rolling now, but we'll get into some player development here in just a second. But give us a little bit of history about that, if you don't mind. Well, Madison Central has a great tradition. Uh, coach Don Richardson was a legendary coach. They actually won the state in 1982 and the national championship. They went 40-0. and So when I got here, it really was, it was about just kind of keeping that going, using the guys from the past. We bring a lot of alumni back and talk to our team. But uh, to just... The tradition has always been good here at Madison Central. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Well, while we're on the subject of tradition and culture, I noticed that you were, well, you were gracious enough to send me some of the notes that you had taken over a question list that I sent you. So you were, you guys are very intentional about family. So tell us a little bit about what you mean by that. Well, in in the beginning, when I started coaching, that wasn't always the case. It was more about let's do this drill or play hard or do this. And I just, something was missing. And I talked to some former players and I just decided we needed to bring this closer together. So family just became our theme about five or six years ago. And I I visited people, like you said, Coach Held, or different coaches from around the country. And I said, hey, what are you doing? And I heard Coach Corbin speak at the ABCA about how he wishes he could go back and apologize to some of his former players about let's be more intentional about developing leaders, having a family, and, and just that culture that I really think has helped us these last five to six years take it to another level. Well, Coach Roof, you were gracious enough to send me over some note cards on what you guys were going to talk about. And and we've mentioned a little bit about the great culture that you guys have built over you know an extended period of time, but you actually sent over some practical examples. And, and would you mind sharing a couple of those with our listeners today? Sure, Jonathan. We start out, uh, we read a book together. Uh, last year, we did Heads Up Baseball. Each time a kid will take it home and read the chapter and then present it to the team. Some other things we like to do, we do accountability teams once the season starts so that we have captains and they, they, they hold each other accountable in terms of if someone forgets their hat or shirt, that whole team has to do an activity. Uh, each day during the season, I send out the practice schedule mm-hmm. to the captains or the, to the seniors, and they're responsible for knowing it. You know, We use a quote or a story, and then during that practice, somebody has to stand up and kind of explain what that means. So I use that to help our culture. Spring break trip is always a big one. We get on that big old yellow school bus, two to a seat. It's about a 10-hour ride. <laughs> but uh, we stop and we'll play laser tag. Last year, we went to Alabama. I don't even tell them what's going to happen. And we went and watched Alabama-Kentucky play college baseball game. Cool. Some, some things, other things we do on that trip, we do a bowling tournament, take their cell phones up at night. And from Coach Held on a previous show talking about, we actually switched roommates last year. So that is a trip that I think really brings our team together and just a lot of fun. And do you guys do anything in the fall? I know you mentioned that you said that you're with them all year long. You did mention something about uh, leaders in the weight room. So can you talk to us a little bit about that part? Absolutely. We, uh, we have five stations basically each day, five main lifts, usually a supplemental lift as well. But I have those five seniors that, again, I send something out to them each day. This is what we're going to do. Here's the rotations. And it's your job to set that station up and let everyone in your group know what's going on. And that also provides that senior leadership. You know, I'll have a senior early on. He might look at me and say, hey, coach, he's not doing that right. And I'll say, hey, it's your job to go up and talk to him. Mm -hmm. I want you to tell him. It it sounds so much better coming from a senior than it does for me. And I just help kind of give that guidance in terms of this is what we do. Uh, You know, another thing we like to do is I use Twitter and anything out there that I find and I send it to our guys. So to kind of help that culture of, hey, you don't like to lift before a game. Here are these guys, they're doing this. Or, you know, here's a stretch or deadlift or whatever. I just use Twitter. It's so easy, I think, now to get your point across in the culture you're trying to, trying to build. In the end, they love the Whitaker Bank Challenge that we do right before the season. Six days, that's something they talk about. We do the sled push and farmer's walk, competitions like dodgeball. You know, a lot of guys do that, similar to the Omaha Challenge. Oh, very cool. And I, I saw that you mentioned that you take all the seniors out uh, to eat for Christmas dinner. 
Uh, talk to us about that because sure. that seems really cool. Sure. At Christmas, I take the coaches and the seniors out to eat. The seniors collect the money from the from the team and each other. Okay. They buy presents, gift cards, whatever, and then we surprise the needy family in the community. Uh, it's a great way for them to give back as well. It's a fun night for us to kind of go out and just kind of say our thanks and be together at a, at a special time of the year. I love that. And it just seems like you guys are very intentional about spending time together. Like uh, that just, that just really stands out with all of this different stuff that you're talking about. And so have you noticed that since you really started doing that over the past, you said five or so years, has, has that made a huge impact in your program? I think it's been the difference. I used to think it was another drill or this or that five more minutes of doing this. And then I just learned that all these things make a big difference. Um, one, one thing I might have left out is right before the regional tournament, after our district tournament, we go to a, a Gaddy town. It's a place where you can eat and play video games. They take all their tickets and put them in one big pile, and then they go get our rally monkey for the region, regional tournament. And then last year, it was actually three snakes. So we were in the semifinal game, and we were struggling. Six inning, actually, it was two to two, and we said, let's sacrifice a snake. So right there in the sixth <laughs> inning, season on the line, we cut the snake's head off. <laughs> and sure enough, that bottom of half that inning, someone came up who had actually struck out three times and he hit a two-run homer. So we just have fun. I, I, we try to relax, work hard, and have fun is, trying, is kind of what we do. And um, that's one of our – I really like that night right before the regional term. It's kind of a – you've done this all year. Let's mm-hmm. go have fun now. Well, that's, that's fantastic. In the heat of the moment, you guys are sacrificing <laughs> fake snakes. That's, that's awesome. I love that. It used to be that, that just the buildup to that game was so big, and I've learned just to relax, let the kids have fun because the tension is already there. So, mm-hmm. you know, they see the colleges do it, Coastal Carolina a couple of years ago, and it, it just kind of started out, and each year that's what we've done. I love that a lot. And So let's go ahead and start to dig into, you know, we're, we're talking about how to develop our players off the field, but let's talk about what you guys are doing in the fall to develop them on the field. So. You know, you you said that you guys have a baseball class and that you're with them all all year long, basically. And so let's uh, let's talk about what does a w- typical week look like for you guys in the fall. Well, the fall, like I said, we do lift five days a week. Usually, we do a four day split with Wednesday being an off day, either sprint work or we doing a, we did a football league here this last month, some type of competition just to have some fun. Uh, ended up with a turkey bowl, but in the fall. We're in Kentucky. We're allowed to work with our players, so we do. You know, we we were actually this year we're in a league at University of Kentucky. Uh, there was about eight high schools, and we played on Tuesday and Thursday night. So we were able to do that this year. In the years past, we've just played together as a team on some weekends. But uh, in the the goals in the fall are, are simple. You know, we're going to get strong, focus on the fundamentals, and improve our weaknesses, and really playing together because so many of our kids play on different teams in the summer. I like bringing them back in the fall and just pulling for each other. And that's kind of where that family starts for a person who might be working on something like a pitcher. We had a guy who had struggled in the stretch some last year. So he just pitched in the stretch off off mm-hmm. for our base runners. We're going to make them run really in two pitches, two to three pitches. You're going to run and maybe get thrown out. Maybe not, but you're learning along the way on, on that mindset of how to go, when to go. So the fall is really about developing something new. It's kind of like a winter league MLB winter league type type scenario we have nothing to lose but everything to gain sure and so when do you guys uh start to dig into the baseball specific aspect of it uh during your baseball hour well during the baseball hour is strictly weightlifting so we get about an hour of weightlifting and then after school 
Well, I have several assistants who have been with me a long time. And, and I mean, Monday we might work on defense. Tuesday we might hit here and then drive up to Lexington to play our game. Wednesday it might be the same thing. It, it was just sporadic in terms of, depending on what days we played, we just tried to, we, again, just work on those fundamentals, base fundamentals, and some things that we might have, maybe something happened in the game the night before, we might address that that next day. Perfect. I love it. Now, you, you mentioned that you are very a very competitive person by nature, and that's you know really what got you started in into coaching. And, you know, what are some things that you guys do to compete? Uh, you mentioned that you guys have a specific competitive day of the week, and I love that. We do that on Fridays, and it's a, it's a lot of fun for the kids, too, and I'm sure you have you've understand that. But what are some other ways that you guys really love to compete? Well, I think it's a year-round thing, and high school kids love to compete. So it brings out the best. You know, we used to just hit in the cages all year. And it was just monotonous. And there were times we would have to get on kids. They'd be laying in the back on the ground. Come on, guys. And all of a sudden, you know, we, we bought the radar gun after seeing Coach Held, and we went to, we went to exit speed and inside. So the, those are endless on the games you can play with exit speed. Sure. You know, one year I did a Sweet 16 tournament. You get three cuts, top, exit, you know, top speed advances. So you get a lot of pressure. You have the whole team watching. I usually do that right before Christmas. Uh-huh. We do all kind of exit speed games, maybe teams of two or three inside, or it can be, be individual. That, that's just kind of our indoor stuff. When we get outside, you know, to start the season, we do competitive bullpens. So it's a little different than maybe some do. We do a bullpen number one, might be 15 fastballs down the middle. And you need to do that at 70% before you can move on to bullpen number two. So we we want we want to put them in that game situation. Now we don't do that every time. We'll have a pin in between where they can work on things. But we want guys to be able to throw it right down the middle. Then mm-hmm. the pin number two goes the fastballs in and out, and we'll add breaking balls and change ups, and then breaking balls as we move along. And the guy who is at the top when we get to our first scrimmage game in about five or six weeks, that's who starts. Cool. And we just we post it, and they love that. It's 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 just a lot of fun. Other things that we do, we do a strikeout game. You know, we'll put that 85-mile-hour slider going over there. Find a way to put the ball in play. Uh, coach Lawson, I think you had him on. We do some vision training in the back. Mm-hmm. We'll have a coach either throw the ball into the net, either a breaking ball or fastball, and then they'll swing on the tee if it's a fastball, take if it's a breaking ball. We're just teaching them. You know, some of them are like, wow, I didn't even know how to do that. You know, our younger guys. So just teaching them some of that vision training. I'm real big on that now you know, after hearing him speak, uh, do a lot of scrimmages. We have the velo boards, exit speed, uh, points in batting practice. You know, if you execute a hit and run damage counts, you know, again, you've had a lot, that, a lot of that on, but we do that about every day. And then sometimes one of the fun things we like to do, we'll put Gatorades on the field uh, for bunning practice. You bun it and rolls up and hit a Gatorade. You can just take it home right or take it right there. <laughs> That's awesome. It's something I'm, that I'm trying to add more of that, you know, our strength coach does a fantastic job of, when we, whenever we've got them at the facility and we're run, running them through uh, our, some weight room stuff themselves, I'm trying to get them to be competitive in there too. So are there some ways that you guys compete in the weight room? Yeah, um, after practice, I mean, we'll do sled push. We just take a PVC pipe sometimes. We have two turf pieces in our weight room, and we'll just push it down and back. You can do max push-ups, box jumps. We do jump rope every day once we get back after Christmas. We'll do one minute. We'll post their times, I mean, their, how many they do on the boards. They're always competing against themselves and then also put them against the partner. And so that starts it right off the bat. We're going to do some jump rope at the beginning. And I mean, it is endless, but it's a lot of fun because, you know, when you live four days, four or five days a week all year, mm-hmm. you have to find some ways to try to try to keep them engaged. 
I love it. Now, are you guys, how many days of the week are you guys lifting in season? In season, I usually go three days a week. Um, okay. it's, it's just, we cut down the volume, but a lot more mobility work. And sometimes we can get our, our arm care going right there in the weight room. So we're ready to go to practice, but we're still going to work out all the way up till the end. And then we'll cut it back to about two days a week right before the tournament starts. But, you know, strength is really important. And I've always believed that nothing to the point where we're going to hurt somebody, but the last thing you want to do is take a day, a week or two off and then lift, start lifting again. So we'll do some stuff like walking lunges. We still squat, you know, the arm care, we back off on the bench. Obviously, you know, our pitchers don't do any of that stuff, but it's just to keep going and they really like it. I, I don't want to lose strength as we head into the tournament. Definitely. Do you guys lift or what days do you guys lift? I, I'm not familiar with Kentucky high school rules. So uh, in Texas, it was easy to set up days because we played two days a week. But here in Oklahoma, we could play well, on, a, on a Monday, a Thursday, a Saturday. And so what what do you guys do for that? It's the same thing. Kentucky is 36 games in about eight or nine weeks. So sure. it, it can be a lot. Usually we take Mondays and Thursdays off for a freshman game. So it's a good time to lift. And then also sometimes I'll bring it in if we have a Saturday home game. We'll just go in the weight room after we play. Okay. So we even lifted on spring break at Niceville High School. I asked the coach. He said, sure. And on our, you know, after a game, we got a good lift in. So our kids believe in it. I think it does a lot of things for the high school kids. Uh, it just gives them confidence. Obviously helps. And, um, you know, we've seen positive games. Definitely. And, you know, you work up the entire year to your season. And the last thing you want to do is lose all the all of what you worked up to in the end season just for lack of lifting. and. And I love that, and that's something that, that I've definitely changed my mind over the, in, the, in the past couple of years because I don't know how it was when you played, but whenever I played, we didn't touch a weight during the season, and, and I, now I look back and I wish I had. Exactly, Jonathan. We, I used to do the same thing. I would stop once the season started, and we would actually be at our weakest at the end, and then you see TCU or Coastal Carolina and all these people on Twitter saying, hey, mm-hmm. this is what we're doing. They'll, they'll be in Omaha, and they're at the weight room on that Sunday or whatever and listing. And again, that's where I use social media and I'll take Twitter pics or whatever and just send it to our guys and say, listen, this is what the best are doing. And it really makes it easy to sell what we're trying to do. Sure. And you you can't pull the shade over kids' eyes now. It's just with their, they've got devices on their phone and they can check our info in an instant. No question. Everyone's a coach basically. And, and I think it's a great time for baseball in terms of this is why we do this. And, I, and you, like I said before, it really helps set your culture. If you're, you know, if you're paying attention to what's going on, you can find it out there. And it also can work against you. So I love what they're talking about in terms of like driveline and Eric Crest, you'll see stuff like, Hey, one of the best things you can do is get in the weight room. And, and if you're throwing 75 miles an hour, don't spend $300 on that showcase, mm-hmm. you know, muscle milk or protein, uh, whatever it is, spend your time getting better before you go spend that money somewhere else. So it really kind of helps us as coaches kind of talk to our guys. Definitely. And, I mean, if, if we're selling them some, I guess, in a less eloquent way to put it, it's selling them some BS of, of some stuff that's probably not right, we lose all credibility. And so it's it's I think it's, it's only going to make us better as coaches just because we do have to do our research and not just do what we were taught to do, which may or may not have been the right thing, but just to, to have some reasons behind it because in the end, you know, they want to better their career and so do we. And so if we can pull on the same rope and, you know, if we're getting better, they're getting better as well. So I, uh, I'm fully in on that as well, but I'm a huge fan of practice plans and I love good, 
you know, practice plans, very efficient practice plans. And, you know, so take us through what a typical practice looks like for you guys and how much time do you spend on what? And I'll just sit back and take notes. I'm kind of like Coach Savage out of Reno. I, we like to practice. The problem in Kentucky is it rains a lot and it's cold early in the, in the year. So I really have to have three practice plans. One will be just strictly indoors. And that's what we've been doing. You know, from Coach Held on your show, we can actually long toss inside. We do all the throwing drills. And I think that is the most important part of practice, that first 20 to 25 minutes of throwing. You know, if we're, we sometimes have a split practice, we're on a turf football field indoors or we're just outdoors and, I, and i'm going to talk about when we're outdoors we're going to go wild it might be three 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 hours and a half because those days are far and few between up here so we have to take care you know of our our time outside at the beginning i'm going to go we're going to have half that are going to bunt and half are going to hit uh, hit velo hit our you know different drills that we designed for each person and then we're going to switch meanwhile our pitch is going to start throwing because they have a longer throwing program because we're going to do breaking ball drills every day. And then they're going to switch off, and then the pitchers will come in and work on pickoff plays or PFP while those position players then throw. Uh, Jonathan, then we bring them all together, and then we're going to do our quote of the day or try to you know kind of go from there. You know, base running is huge for us. You know, if I, ever, if I was going to take over a program, it would be base running and holding runners would be one of the first things I would implement. So we're going to spend 15 to 20 minutes a day on base running whether that be dirt ball reads or, or getting a good jump or, or whatever it is, or just learn how to run the bases first or third. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to do some individual defense and team defense. And then, you know, really our key is batting practice. That's the second thing I would do every day is BP on the field. More so for our defense over our offense, because we're going to hit off the machines all year. And don't get me wrong, it does help our hitters too, but I, I love it for defense. So what's your BP setup look like? Are you just guys just playing every ball live? We do. Uh, I like our four infielders and then two outfielders at each spot. Everyone else I try to kind of get off the field. Our shag groups are actually in right field and left field, like in the foul territory. Okay. And one of the things I do, you know, last year we started doing live offset a lot, and then we had the breaking ball machine right there on the field. So we're hitting breaking balls with our machine. Okay. I've seen this year some people where they put both machines side-by-side, fastball, breaking ball, I think that would be a, a neat concept. We might try that this year. But I'm going to walk around the outfield, and I'm going to, I'm going to get behind those outfielders, and we're going to talk about that first step. Can you just take that first step as the swing's coming? And I'm constantly saying, expand your range. We're going to get every ball. Great time to work communication, really from the standpoint of, hey, I can't get this ball, so I'm going to yell, take it, and now you're free to dive. I've got your back. So I love the com- you know the communication aspect. Mm-hmm. The outfielders there are there's nothing better to me than fly balls off the bat. And I'm talking about we're going to get it, and then we're running back to our spots. So it's it's really it's not meant to be a condition drill, but the best ones go hard and they get a great workout. They are spent after about two groups. You know the infielders are making every play. We have screens just like an MLB or college team, and they're throwing across fungos. If we have like a, a guy who might a shortstop who needs some extra work but I really want to work on the ball off the bat. Base runners are also getting all their work in as well. Uh, at first base, they're going to work on reads. Second base, you know, no outs, one out. What are you doing on these situations? That's, that's one of the tougher plays, I would think, for a kid to understand. And then third base, we really concentrate on that down angle read. Meaning one, one out, even infield in, and we're going. we got to be able to skip, skip, land with that ball across this plate, and we got to go now. So I, I just see a lot of things we can do inside of a BP setting. Obviously, before a game uh, or something else, we're still going hard, but not not as much. That might be more for the offensive side right before a game. 
Okay. So you talked about, you know, holding runners and, you know, base running being huge staples in your program. And if I'd love it, if you could just kind of dive in and, and give us, you know, how do you, how would you coach me up on holding runners? And then after we get done with that, if you could do the same for base running. Well, I mean, holding runners, is, we learned a long time ago because a lot of teams in our, our league run. So I, I would tell a pitcher now, can, can you throw a breaking ball with a run, holding a runner on second base in the stretch in that big moment? Because it seems to always come down to that. And uh, we kind of go from there. So we might just put them at three bases. You know, they're going to throw to each other, so they're mainly working on the footwork. Mm-hmm. But then we have all kind of different time picks. We actually hold with our second baseman. He's going to give looks or when we're going to do what pickoff, what, you know, what we're going to do. It's a little more advanced, but we work on it from their freshman year on uh, first base. We're just working on quick feet. You know, we have a few time, you know, some time plays. Our catchers are going to obviously always work on our back picks, keeping runners close. But, you know, our general theme is throw strikes, attack the zone. And if we can hold runners and make the play, we feel like we're going to be in every ball game. So, and, and that, and the test of time that's, that's helped us. Sure, and do you guys work on holding runners in bullpens as well? Absolutely, that's part of that progression I was talking about early, okay. uh, earlier when we get to that fourth bull, fourth and fifth bullpen, and even not, we're going to work on signs from the shortstop. Uh, the catchers are going to give picks, spin move, whatever we're working on. That is a staple. We have to be able to do that because we know, you know, for that pitcher from the other side, we see how important it is because we do run. And we know how we can get a pitcher rattled or he's so worried about the runner. I think that's part of the advantage of working on the running game so much. Our pitchers get to see that as well. And they realize I I need to be able to stop, help our catcher out and stop people from running. If we keep up first, Jonathan, we we can turn the double play. And we turned a lot of them last year. We really emphasize that as well. Definitely. And so you've got your... Your pitcher's working on holding runners. Do you are you live with your other group with base running, and you guys are working on something simultaneously? Yeah, we, we have a several drills that we do. You know, they're doing that right as the infielders are throwing, and then we come back in and we do a set of drills. I call them LSU drills. Our pitchers are on the mound. They get three or four pitches. We have you know four bases throw down at first. The first guy's going to go. He's going to try to get the jump, and he's going to steal. So our catcher's going to get to throw him out. Mm-hmm. Our second baseman's working on covering. So we got all kinds of things going. He throws over, we're diving back. Because any times we're in a steel lead, you have to get dirty. You know, we get dirty every day. So that's pretty. That's a drill we're going to do probably every day or every other day, depends on how our catchers feel. But our different pitchers work in differently with that. Uh, second base the same way. We're going to work on holding the runner. They're going to work on their little vault, two little skips that we do, and try to steal third. Same idea with a, with a hitter in, at the plate. Everyone's getting to work on something at the same time. I love that. And you guys do that for about 15 minutes uh, at the first of every practice? Well, it's just a set of drills that we call. It's just an, it's our pregame protocol. Basically, we're going to do jumps and pickoffs, uh, first base, like the runners going. Then we do pickoffs at second base. We'll do a first and third situation there. We'll work on the safety squeeze and squeeze with our base runners and defending it with a live bunter. So he's also getting some work in. We'll cover our bunt defense. So something that, that I haven't done in the past and something that I you know I, I really need to do more of in the future, and you mentioned it earlier that you send out the practice plan to all of the seniors and all of the you know the leaders of your team. So uh, do you guys go over that before practice? Because I, you know I'm thinking to myself, 
if I want practice to run as efficiently as possible, you know, maybe take five minutes to explain everything that's going on, and then we'll well, then we'll go fast. Do you guys do something similar? That's the beauty of the cell phone, Jonathan. I mean, I put it on a website as well, so anybody can see it. Anybody can see what we're doing, and I try to send it out at lunch, and then all of a sudden, I can even have a junior say, Coach, you know, you left me off this spot here. What, what am I doing during this session? Or That's what good. does this real mean? Because we introduce new things all the time. And uh, it just gives them a chance to kind of be ready. Do all of them look at it every day? Probably not. But it's there if they need it. And we are moving at a fast pace. Uh, there's no standing around. I'm, I'm down to the minute in terms of what we're trying to do. So a lot of them take time to look at it at lunch. Or, and if they're lost, you know, there's always that buddy who's there that says, hey, this is what we're doing. Come on. And that's what I do. I lean on my seniors to be coaches. I always say at the end of the year, my goal is that I've, we coach them up to the point where they can basically run it. As, I, as we went into the regional tournament last year, I've had two senior pitchers who are running the bunt station, and they looked at me and said, I got to coach. I said, okay. And I just kind of walked away. And again, hey, get your angle a little bit better, more out front. And they were just absolutely coaching them up. And that's when I knew we had a shot to have a good season is, is coaching those seniors and really the juniors or anyone, it can be anyone, to take pride in what we're doing and holding each other accountable. That's our goal. And, and that practice schedule, it's just one of the few things that we do to allow them. I don't want them to, I don't, there's no surprises. This is how we're going to do it. And um, if you got a suggestion, I'm okay with that as well. When I, Jonathan, when I first started, I, it was about me. You're going to do it this way. But now I'm taking feedback, coach, you know, and I'll ask him, how'd that go today? And I coach, I didn't like that. Can we do this a little bit more of that? And, and I'm, I'm not going to always take that in. We're not going to always change it, but they do have a voice. Uh, in terms of, I, I would love more ground balls, coach. I don't feel like we're getting enough right now. So I just, I try to take it all in. Definitely. And that's, and that means, you know, a lot to me coming from a guy who's been at his current position and a head coach for 20 years that, that you're saying that, then I definitely need to be saying things like that as well. Yeah. I just think it's different. Like I said, in the beginning, it was, a, it was really about me. You're going to play hard. I'm going to get in your face and we're going to, and we won, and we still it, it worked, but there was always something missing. And I, like I said, I talked to some former players, and that relationship piece was missing. And that's what I would do. And I would I would apologize to those those guys early in my career that I, I, I wish I'd have learned this earlier. But um, like I said, it, it's it's good just to have those relationships to know that they that you care about them, love your teammates is what I preach. But one thing that happened last year in the regional term, we had brothers. One was pitching, the brother had to come in. They actually hugged each other right there on the mound. It was really cool. It was, it was a cool moment just to see that that love for each other. Of hey, here's the ball. Pick me up right here, and um, it was fun. That's awesome. You know, you've accomplished a lot as a coach whenever something like that happens. But I want to know, and this is something that I struggle with: of what are what is everyone else doing for their standards or their rules? So, what are your rules, and you know, can you walk us through why you chose those? You know, we have basic three standards. Family's one. Mm-hmm. Attitude is the other. I want you to have a positive attitude. We're not going to blame the officials. We're not going to blame each other. Hey, you might have to overcome my mistake. Uh, so a positive attitude, and then we're going to work hard. We're going to be one of the hardest working groups around. And that, that's a hard 90. That's running on and off the field. That's everything we do. We're going to take a lot of pride in those three things. And then uh, in the rules I got, probably Coach Wood and I saw Pete Carroll, with, you know, be early. Protect your teammates, which is really family. Love your teammates. And then no excuses, no whining, no complaining. And I really try to point that out. You know, can you strike out three times and win the game? And John, I said that for years. And like I said, it finally happened last year. 
I, to keep the high school get, kid engaged, even when I'm struggling, I still can make a positive difference in this ball game, and that's what we try to do. Fantastic, and it's been countless examples of where you, when you where you have used the the term family uh, in talking about your program. What do you do with parents? That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I used to be this is how we're going to do it, but sure. I need them and. Parents, I really tell them at the beginning of the year, you're also their coach, and this is why we have a throwing program, and we like to kind of talk to each kid. Some kids will need to keep going. If they haven't thrown that much, they got to push. Or I had a senior last year, I haven't, I'm not signed yet, so I have to get ready. Or if I have a kid who's thrown 100 innings, you know, we know that the injury rates go up after 100 innings on the mound. Let's take those two months off in November and December. So I need them on board because I don't want them scheduling a showcase at the end of November. But if they feel like that he has to be there, and I had a kid like that this fall, then we're going to keep throwing. We must on-ramp and make sure they're ready because that's also – we've seen injuries happen at the beginning of the year when some pitcher's not ready, and he goes and throws. So we, I talked to him. I said, hey, you're the coach. I need your help. Let's get together and get a yearly plan. Same thing in terms of, like I've heard you talk about before, nutrition, hydration. There's a lot of things you can do at home that would help your son. If he's doing an outside throwing program, I need to know that. I mean, he can't just go pitch with this guy. We, luckily, we've been lucky. We don't have a lot of guys that, that do that. And also talk about, you know, saving your money, like I talked about earlier in terms of uh, if you're 75 miles an hour, I don't, I don't think you need to go pay $400 for a showcase right now. Sure. So I do need them on board. Does it happen like that all the time? No, but I, I feel better on at least including them and saying this is what I've learned from other people. Do you guys have like a preseason or postseason parent meeting or, or anything like that that you kind of cover all of your expectations? We do a, a meeting at the beginning of the fall because, okay. you know, baseball's a year-round sport, so we have to fundraise all year. And then we do a one big meeting right when the season starts so I can explain it all. I like the two meetings per year because I used to do four or five, but it, it's just hard to get everybody here. So two big meetings, one in the fall, one in the spring, and absolutely I put that slide up on, on the overhead on terms of things that I learned when I went and saw it, I went up to Eric Cressy and he, he talked about pitching with your arm fatigued or eight months out of the year, competitive pitching more than 80 to hundred pitches in a game, I mean 80 pitches in a game. Those are things they need to know. Hey, what if they're on that summer team and he pitches on Friday and we're, we got a chance to win the championship on Sunday. Let's bring him back. That's when they have to step in and say, Hey, that's, that's not a good idea. So that's what I mean by a lot of times we're not there. They need somebody in their corner to, to, to help them out. For sure. And so I, I love that, you know, you've talked about all the different things that you've learned since you've become a head coach. But if you had to boil down just one or two things that you would tell your first year self or that you would share with our listeners about what you wish you had known before becoming a head coach, what would those be? Yeah, it's pretty easy. I mean, I, I pointed it out the whole time. It's, it's relationships. I would sit there. I would talk to them. I would say, hey, how's your day? And just instead of, like I said, I used to think it was just about me in terms of I can get us here. We're going to do this drill, and I'm going to make you do it. My, my new thing is is I want to teach them how to do it, and I want them to, to have a love for doing it. That, that's really our goal, to love each other. And I told them all last year, I got this from Matt Deggs, was I need you more than you need me because I love being a part of this group. You know, I feel alive. It's really an honor to coach you. So that's that's what I would tell myself. Also, lifelong learner is what we're doing now. 
Oh, fantastic! And do you uh, do you, where do where do you find the time to read and research and listen to podcasts and stuff like that? Do you just put that in part of your daily routine? Absolutely. You know, I'm real deliberate. You know, there's obviously God and family, but then the next thing is going to be about trying to learn and get better. So I'm not. You know, we're not watching TV or, or sitting there watching the big game. I mean, I, I, I used to do all that stuff, but um, it's really deliberate. On I have a you know, my job is to learn as much as possible to help our kids out. And the, the information is coming in so fast that it, it's really hard to stay up on it. But I enjoy it. I, I tell people I've never worked a day in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, lucky to be a high school teacher, be around kids, one of the greatest games out there. And I, it's just been a great life in terms of having, like I said, a, it's a joy. It's not like it's work. Sure. And, you know, myself being an assistant coach with aspirations of one day being a head coach, is there any way that you help prepare your assistants to be head coaches someday? You know, we have one now that, that was with me nine years, and he's now a head coach at Fern Creek High School Coach Party, but I've had guys that have been with me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, coach Withers, this is going to be his 19th season, and Coach Waters and Coach Gross have both been with me. Uh, coach Rigsby just jumped on board, and I try to – he's our pitching guy, and I really try to – you know, I lead and tell them what we're trying to do, but I let them coach. So, um, you know, Coach Willis has run the offense. He, he does all the hitting. He's over there in the drills. And I'm really kind of like the CEO who oversees everything. But I need people on board, especially guys that have been with you a long time. We kind of know how, how it works and what to expect. So um, I think just doing, if I'm an assistant coach, I'm doing the best I can. I'm really going to support the program, constantly trying to learn. And I think that opportunity will come. Definitely. It also helps that you you've mentioned several times that you're a lifelong learner and I'm sure that they're taking that away from you and not afraid to ask you questions and try new things. And I think that that's, you know, that's fantastic, especially with guys who are driven. But, you know, I want to know what's something that you've learned lately that's gotten you really excited that you guys are trying or trying to implement now. And and uh, can you talk to us about that? Well, Coach Steen, who's at Duke, he's a good friend of mine. He played at Eastern Kentucky. We, we were roommates when we both coached together. There at Eastern, and he was telling me about blast motion. So we jumped on board with that and uh, learning about attack angles. And <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. So uh, I was joking around earlier. We we were doing attack angle last week on the blast motion. I wasn't sure. A kid asked me a question. So we just called him right there <laughs> in the hitting facility and said, hey. And they were they sat there and they walked us through it. And uh, I guess a lesson on um, terms of I don't know it all, but I can help you. I can help us find the answer. But uh, we, we really enjoy that. Uh, the driveline plus has been just phenomenal. It's something I try to do each morning after our exercise. I'll watch one of those little seven to 10 minute videos. And um, I just think they're ahead of the game in terms of trying to help coaches out. Those two things are really exciting. Obviously the ABCA and all the podcasts. And um, I would tell you also, don't be afraid just to reach out. Like I said, with coach held at defiance, we went up there and watched their practice. Coach Savage out of Reno. We'll trade stuff all the time. I was talking to a coach at Iowa or, and just what was your favorite book? And they'll, they'll send it to you. And baseball coaches love to share. And it's been a lot of fun just trying to, to learn from other people. Take a little something each time is, is, is what we do. It might only be one little thing, but that's part of the fun. Definitely. And you can definitely tell that you and, and all good coaches have stolen uh, some different things from a lot of uh, good different people and, and so besides the some of the things that you've mentioned already, is there anything else that if our listeners are like, you know, Coach Roof, we, w- if we had to get one or two of, your, of the resources that, you know, you've talked about or that have changed your coaching career, you know, what would you offer for those guys? 
some of the books I've read by John Gordon, The Carpenter, was, was very influential. I just wrote a book called Mindset on Growth and Fixed Mindset that I thought was really good, actually helping me as a parent. Right. But the That's list just book. goes on and on in terms of just there's so much out there. I would just I would just dive in, try to read a little bit each night, and also going to visit practices. You know, I've worked UK camps for 15 years, so I've seen John Cohen, Gary Henderson, Nick Mingione, uh, Coach Guil up there right now, and we just sit there and we ask questions. And I'm always writing stuff down, and they make fun of me sometimes. But, you know, you get a chance right there to work with those guys one-on-one. I think you have to say, what makes you special? What, what do you do that's different? And, and like I said, when you're working for them, they'll share. And it, that's helped a lot. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, if, you know, Coach Roof, if I was going to visit your practice coming up in a couple of weeks, if I flew down and I, t- and I just asked, a, you know, one of your players, if, if I brought him to the side and I said, hey, uh, young man, what is your favorite thing that you guys do in practice that you just love that you can't get enough of? What are some of the different answers that you think you'd get? Well, I think one of the things they would tell you is they like our Whitaker Bank Challenge. It's like the Omaha Challenge. Sure. Uh, six days right before Christmas that uh, we just compete against each other. Again, draft teams, uh, Farmer's Walk, Ultimate Frisbee, Tug of War, Dodgeball, things that really aren't baseball-related. They would tell you they enjoy that. They they also love the competition, the cat and mouse game where we do base runners against the catcher, our, our inner squads, where we put different points, you know, maybe just a point for a base, always trying to make things competitive. Uh, I think they actually like the competitive bullpens just to see where they rank and to know if they win that, that they're going to get to start that first game at that first scrimmage. So I think they get to see value in competing and doing my best and just working I always say you, you can work really hard and have fun doing it. And, and we're lucky to have that culture here. Uh, all the freshmen I tell them as they come in, it is okay to sell out every day. You're going to be actually welcomed here. It's not going to be someone looking at you going, why are you running hard? You're making me look bad. Mm-hmm. It's let's pull each other together and let's, let's get that prize at the end. I love it. So for our listeners who, you know, they're listening to the show and they may want to get in touch with you, what would be the best ways to do that? Well, email always works, uh, steve.roof at madison.kyschools.us. I don't have my personal Twitter or an Instagram account. Uh, I have one at mchs underscore baseball. And our website goes to centralbaseball.com if you want to look at our practice schedules in the spring. But feel free to reach out. I would, I would love to share information. I'm probably going to ask them questions as well. <laughs> That's awesome. And so... If there's, you know, I'm just going to open up the mic for you. And is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? Something we may not have covered or just something that you'd like to leave them with? I would just say you're such a huge influence. I don't think you realize how important it is. There are times that you're going to get down. Uh, This game is is very humbling. And um, just to be, stay positive, stay the course, and know you're making a difference, a positive difference in someone's life. And that's really, I really think in the end, that's what it was about. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group. And if you want to be a part of the mini clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.